Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast where we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed, episode 61, was recorded live Thursday, April 7th, 2011. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. This is episode 61. Glad everybody could make it. Tune in or download it. We apologize for all the technical problems we seem to be having the last few weeks. Really wanted to have a show out last week, but we got a little bit caught up. I was in the D.C. area, and the internet down there just wasn't that good. And I'd like to welcome my co-host this week, uh, Don. How are you doing today, Don? Pretty good, and it's looking good for the weekend. I keep hearing things about temperatures above 70. Oh, that'll be so nice. Uh, I had a friend who came down from Sheboygan last week, and uh, he, he went through a ice storm, and it was 31 degrees. So it's a nice to have a nice swing up into that 70s. But I've been, I've been, I've been watching the lake. I, I desperately want to get out there. Well, I think the lake is up to about 38, 39 right now. Ah, we can do an ice dive. We can do a lake dive. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're getting to that time of year, though. Uh, I, I saw that you were uh, – well, we'll get to that later in the show where you were going to go dive. But, uh, yeah, Jim is, is AWOL this week. He, uh, like I was traveling last week, he's traveling this week, and I don't think he wanted to brave the hotel connections like I tried to. Again, that, that hotel connection was such a disaster. It worked for two nights. I thought I was going to have a great connection. And then for some reason, it, the night of the show, about 15 minutes before it went on, it died. And, you know, it's not like in a hotel you're going to be able to get anybody to give you much of a hand. So we fought with an hour. So anybody who hung around in the chat room or everything, we, we appreciate and hopefully we can make up for it. Uh, also, there was some technical problems on the recording for episode 60. So if you ever have that, go ahead and drop in uh, a note to us on the show at scubaobsessed.com. Let us know uh, which episode, because at first we didn't know which one it was. But uh, in my rush to get away from vacation, I didn't do my last QC step, which was to separate the channels so that everything comes across in stereo. So you probably had me in the left ear and Jim in the right ear. And if you listen to something that's mono, you might only pick up the left ear depending on the device. So, of course, if that was me, then you probably didn't need to listen to the other half. We'll, we'll give Jim grief since he's not here this week. And then also I was having some fun with iTunes, so I double posted. So if you got two episode 60s, that's why uh, for some reason it didn't like the feed. I didn't necessarily want to delete it because it was already out there in the wild and people had linked to it because it was a valid post. It's just something about it iTunes didn't like. It reposted the same episode and iTunes took it that way. So if you're on iTunes, you probably had to pick up the second one to get something good. So we're going to jump right on into the news, and we have plenty of news by missing that week. So the first article is uh, Carnival has an underwater restaurant. I don't know how I'm going to post this one in the show notes. If you're in the the uh, talk show chat room, I'm going to try and post these articles in as we go. You might have to right-click and copy, but some of these links are so long, I doubt they even make it. But Carnival UK has unveiled plans for a new class of luxury ship that will feature revolutionary features such as a glass-walled fished restaurant, and there's a picture in the article, and below the water uh, that will go below the waterline. So I can't tell if it's a full tank or if they're just going to be open to the ocean. Uh, they're also going to have a full-size tennis court on deck. Diners in the submarine French restaurant will be able to select their main course from the aquatic entrees that are passing the vessel and onboard scuba divers will be dispatched to make the catch. And when I read this, I, I, I thought this has to be an April fool's joke. It was posted April one. So what's your thought on that, Mac? I'm not sure. Now that you said that I was trying to find the site myself to eyeball it and it's either too long or something. I can't get it up. Right. Yeah. You, you might have to, to paste. I, I sometimes, uh, some of those long links don't come across crossed 
through yeah, the Yeah, they email. wrap twice or something. And oh, yeah. this one was ridiculous. So when even when I post it up on the website, it's it's going to be a um, a much shorter link. Uh, Dave said the link worked in the chat room. Leads to the day news, not the appropriate article. So yeah, it pro- probably what happened uh, is it got chopped off. But yeah, as as I was <coughs> listening to the article, I was thinking there's just something didn't ring true about it. Because uh, well, anything that comes across on April 1st, you're always uh, wondering if. Yeah, how many people could they get to pick up the article? And while it would be cool, the, the part that I, I was buying it, because they're always doing crazier and crazier things on these cruise ships. But when they when the, the part that kind of tipped it away is maybe being an April Fool's joke, is it says, onboard scuba divers will be dispatched to make the catch. So as you're passing the main dish. So I just can't picture... You know, them flipping a diver over the side of the boat and you actually go, hey, grab that. Plus, I don't picture that you're going to get that much edible marine life swimming up to the wall of a a restaurant on a cruise ship. Well, I finally got what you're looking at. And it's quite interesting if it really is a a glass wall restaurant. I'm looking at the picture like you said. That would be quite impressive. I'd like to wonder, you know, how how thick is that, that plexiglass? And I can't believe it would be near as big as that picture uh, identifies it as. Exactly. I mean, that is just plain huge. Uh, to describe the picture, I'd have to say those glass walls are two to three stories high. And then they've got steel structures between the the glass that almost appear to be maybe the ribs of a ship. So it's like imagine taking the steel siding of the cruise ship and just making it glass. So, yeah. you know, of course, it could just be an, an artist's mock-up. But this is something about it. Rings like they got us. <laughs> so. It's fun because I checked two more sites and they all dispatch you or, or link you back to the same one with the same pictures. So I don't know. Yeah, well, well it'll be interesting to find out. So maybe we called it, maybe we didn't. Uh, next one is scuba diving on vacation. Did you waive your rights? Uh, this was a posting by an attorney. And if you've ever gone, you know, any of the dive shops, when you take your lessons, you sign the waiver. Any of the time you're on a a boat, they're going to make you sign a waiver. And this attorney is talking about, I'm not going to give the whole thing. Uh, you want to find out all the details behind it or hire him. He gives his phone number. So I'm sure he posted this article as just a way of promoting himself. But uh, basically talking about that, uh, you know, you, you sign that waiver. Does that mean if anything happens that you're not covered? And I, and I think that the waiver, all it does is really make it to be somewhat more reasonable. Everybody likes to sue for everything. So this is at least your admission to that, that scuba diving does have some inherent risks in the sport. Well, it's like us with the club. We still have our waiver that when you participate in a club activity that, you know, identifies it when you're cognizant of all the risks for diving. And if you're doing it, you're doing it because you want to, not because somebody said you got to. Exactly. Uh, if you do skydiving, uh, it's normally two to three page sign offs. You initial every paragraph identifying you did something and you read it, you understood it, you're of legal age, ad nauseum. Uh, it's not it's not an unusual item to find in this type of activity. Yeah, in this article, what they the kind of the end result, <coughs> excuse me for the cough, is that the uh, you know if, if the boat operator is negligent, this waiver isn't going to save them. If somebody does something that is just out of character, wrong. You know, the waiver just says you accepted the risk. It didn't mean that they can, you know, dump you off in the ocean and leave you. Well, like when you do a skydiving one, for example, most of them will have that. And in addition to you're waiving the rights of all your errors and survivors to sue based on whatever. Right. And the second part, a part another one they have in there uh, talks about no matter what the issue was, no matter if it's negligence, inattentiveness, they're not liable. The yeah. basic premise for that document, though, is to say that you're 21 or of the legal age. You made a conscious decision. If it's gross negligence, that's not going to hold up in water, you know, as much as I, you know, it's not going to work. Right. If it's gross negligence, they're screwed. Yeah, exactly. Of you're dead, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. But well, in, in the in the you know in skydiving, if it, you know, it depends on what it is. If you if your chute didn't open or because you did something wrong, then you know that's obviously you. If the plane crashes, the guy who who most likely uh, you'd sue also went down. So, 
except in the aviation, they sue whoever made the tire or whoever <laughs> made whatever. It's got nothing to do with the wreck. It's whoever's got the deepest pockets. Oh, that's always the way with any really of these. Sucks. It sure does. That's what adds cost into this. So you got you pay for it back. Nobody gets anything for free. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that was about the article, and uh, they, they straightened it up in the comments afterwards, is they said uh, that your dive master or instructor should have proof of certification from Patty, and they didn't list any other association. So somebody now, called him the task on it, and then he later came clean at the bottom saying that we had NAWI and SSI, STI, etc. cetera, uh, and those were all valid. Now, you have to put that in there. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't have any customers either. Well, exactly. Okay, this next one here was uh, s- some potentially hot gear. And what had happened is we have a tra- tragic event happened is a fire damages scuba shop. An investigation will continue this morning, and this was Sunday, April 3rd, determine the cause of fire, which gutted a scuba dive shop in North Hobart yesterday. Damage to the Elizabeth Street is estimated more than... $750,000. The fire service says gas cylinders inside the building may have helped fuel the blaze. There was an LP cylinder in there, which didn't release, but a number of scuba cylinders did. Now, when I read that, I was I was thinking, I don't think that those scuba cylinders, I, I guess if, if they had oxygen, and that's what Well, released. if nothing else, they got hot. What they do is overpressurize, blow the, uh, the seal, You'd have a lot of noise and what have you. And if it was an O2 cylinder, uh, then you could help, you know, as an accelerant. Right. Yeah, an O2 cylinder, I could it's, see it making a hot spot, but it really would kind of go quick. You would think so. So, but they said they're conducting the investigation, so maybe we'll we'll hear back on it by next week. But, uh, you know, unfortunate thing to happen to a business. Well, the key item as a diver, which you've got to watch out for, is if uh, they get rid of all their gear and they sell it. And you have somebody unscrupulous who buys it and refurbishes, meaning if you take a tank that's been on a fire, especially aluminum, you don't want to uh, brush it off, rebake it, and then sell it as new or slightly used. Oh, yeah. Because the fire will change <coughs> the structure of that tank and its integrity is not the same. Uh, you, you probably already knew that, though, right? Yeah. Well, I, I even heard of things, uh, if you read the... I'm one of those persons who actually does read the instruction manuals on all my gear, but on tanks they even say if you do decide to paint it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, don't do any sort of heat curing or tempering or drying. Don't bake. Yeah, don't no. don't bake the that finish on it because you can change that temper and the 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 quality of that aluminum. And uh, the next article is uh, scuba diving hall of fame, Mac and inducts six dive pioneers for 2011 hall of fame and it's the cayman islands board of directors of the international scuba diving hall of fame have announced six dive industry pioneer inductees for the 2011 hall of fame and then they have the list here and i didn't know any of these people so maybe oh bev bev morgan absolutely though kirby morgan uh face mask a uh, full face mask okay so that's I do, well, I to use, well commercial diving anyway yeah so morgan Go ahead. I said Morgan's, I know. Morgan. So they had Andre Laban of France, Bev Morgan, USA, Alan Power of Vanatu, Clement Lee of Borneo, Howard and Michelle Hall of the USA. And uh, they, they started the Hall of Fame in 2000, so every year they've been inducting some. It's also The board also cited three of the dive industry's early pioneers for induction. They are Scott uh, John Scott Haldine, of Scotland, who developed the staged compression tables, Louis de Crolier of France, who was credited with inventing the swim fin, and Hugh Bradner, USA, who developed the wetsuit. So if you happen to be in Grand Cayman on November 8th, they're going to have a, a dinner celebrating the the inductees. So you said you you, knew, you were aware of Bev Morgan? Or, that's the Morgan family. Bev is not is not Kirby. What they call it? It's Kirby Nelson? Or well, that's what Carl used to call it. Anyway, it's... it's uh, Called like uh, Kirby Morgan Band Mask KMBs. Mm-hmm. That's in that family. So it's not Bev Rousseau, Kirby. Yeah, they're talking about people for the uh, Hall of Fame. You know, we had a, a local <coughs> diver here, commercial diver, died just a couple of months ago uh, from the Stevensville area, which is uh, Norm Ketchman. 
I don't know if you know Norm. No, I didn't. Uh, he was one of the first, and actually, I think he did the first commercial uh, dive on uh, mixed gas using a band mass down over 300 feet. And wow. you're talking years ago. I learned about him in uh, dive school, and that's been a while, too. But back then, you're talking in, in the 60s. That, that was quite a feat back then, and to be the first to do it successfully commercially. Wow. So I actually had him sign one of my, my class books I had back then. Very nice. Uh, yeah, so so back on Bev, she said, uh, began manufacturing wetsuits and developed what would be, become body gloves. So if we had uh, Rich hanging around the night, I'm sure he would have some input on that. Uh, as an early diving writer and photographer, his work appeared in Skin Diver magazines. He also dove commercially for Albalone and in oil fields. And in 1966, Association of Bob Kirby, a former Navy diver, he began the Kirby Morgan Corporation Company that changed the face of commercial diving with the development of lightweight, comfortable, professional diving gear. And is also it also produced the diving gear for the movie Sphere. Yeah. That's where the acronym, the KMB, came from. Oh, okay. Well, it was Kirby Morgan, then B for the band mask that they had. Okay. If you really want to look at a lot of people who are uh, current and the big people in, in diving, not necessarily just uh, scuba, though, is the uh, ADC conference down in New Orleans. That's the uh, Association for Diving Contractors. If you ever want to go to see something that's really, really neat and look at the equipment, that is the place to go. Now they, they've, they've got to use it as part of their occupation, so I'm sure there's a couple steps up from what we're normally seeing in recreational. It, Correct. But if you're ever down that way and they're there, uh, I used just to drive down just to go to it. And uh, I mean, the Navy has their experimental diving team there. The the uh, the Navy SEAL teams are there. Uh, if you're looking for ROVs, you're looking for submarines, you name it, they've got it. It's just <laughs> it's just a smorgasbord of things you can just run through and drool. You know, you have to have a towel around your neck. Wow. But it, it's a really, really, really neat. There's not too many for go to Bahamas or anything like that. It's technical gear, and it's it's great. But I, I diverged myself. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. That's what we like to do. We like to go on these little tangents. Uh, this next one, it made me think of how times have changed. Uh, what would it have been like had your high school had a dive team? <laughs> well, if you mean scuba dive team. Yes. It would have been interesting, but not going to happen <laughs> well this uh it's hard to imagine how about having a scuba team from the expense alone and from the liability again yeah well the uh joel bar barlow high school in redding connecticut actually has just that they are organizing a scuba dive team that is going to that they hope to be competing with and, and just reading the article, says this year Barlow has added a new team to its athletic department. Coach Goldstein has just started recruiting for the scuba dive team. The team has started practice but is still accepting members as a competitive season has not started yet. So far, the team has 17 members from all grades. And I can't figure out what you do, though. Well, this one, they, they said that uh, believes that this year's team can make it to the ultimate diver challenge. So if you've happened to have caught that on TV at all, that might give you an idea. Have you had a chance to see that show? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's on some of the cable channels. I think they've got three or four years. Uh, if you go on to the Scuba Obsessed Twitter account, we do have – they're one of the followers. We follow back each other and chat a little bit from time to time. But they, uh, they hold – it's usually down in Mexico, in Cancun, or one of those areas. They'll have a competition – and they have a lot of events. They, I don't think they've quite got the right mix of events yet, but uh, you know, one of it will be an underwater navigation where they've got a grid set up of PVC pipes and walls, so you have a maze. So to see who can navigate through that, they'll have obstacle courses, uh, different types of challenges, and you have teams. I think the teams were two to three people. Like it's been a while since I've watched it. It's sometimes hard to get. Uh, right now, they're trying to get funding. For this year, the uh, Ultimate Dive Challenge. So if you head on over to their website and I'll look it up and try and link it in show notes, they're selling the DVDs for their other show. They said if they could get uh, you know just a few hundred people to buy the DVDs, they'd have enough to cover this year's filming. Um, a couple of companies in the area support it. Uh, one of the local underwater camera housing companies up around Kalamazoo uh, is one of the major fundraisers for that and sponsors. 
<laughs> I went ahead and went to the ultimate challenge on the and just Google it real quick. And I was just trying to get some items. What do they do there? And I haven't found that aspect yet. But they were talking about a photography challenge itself. Uh, they talked about submarine tours. Uh, but I haven't found the actual activities yet that they did. But some of those you mentioned sound right. Yeah, I, I got to see just a couple episodes. And as, uh, right now, there looks like they're hitting season four. <coughs> it's going to be in Cozumel, Mexico, July 16th through the 31st of 2011. Uh, I don't know if they've ended the sign off sign up yet, uh, but if you were at Our World Underwater, they were in, they were in one of the booths there, and uh, let's see, uh, they were in the Texas show. So, oh, they do. Have, they also have a uh, Facebook page. I just looked that up. Uh, underwater tug of war. We've done that as part of our club dive. That is a fun one. You got to be young for that, though. You heard. <laughs> Yeah, they have quite a few uh, good sponsors. Uh, Equinox is one I was talking about. They got DUI. Um, so there's, the, yeah, it's uh, scuba board. And uh, yeah, maybe one one year, if, you know, once I'm independently wealthy, we'll have to put together a, a team or something and and head on down there. Well, if nothing else, next time we have a pool party, we might be able to do some of the events. Yeah, yeah. Well, we should do something up in Michigan. Maybe we could do it as a as a qualifier. You know, you, you get enough, if you get enough people to it, then uh, whoever won, maybe they, there'd be enough prize money or something to, to get the winners down to compete in the, into this challenge. Really interesting. Okay, the next one is um, Ocean Day, which is just my twist on Earth Day. And it's a report that's being issued that talks about the amount of cleanup that's been done by divers in the last year. So another one that's getting pasted into the uh, the chat room to take a look at. Report issued on scuba divers' involvement in world underwater cleanup. The International Project Aware Foundation has just issued a report on the International Cleanup Day, worldwide event to help clean up the aquatic environment. Online report provides an overview of the scuba diving community's direct action, action to combat marine debris. So during the cleanup in 2010, it was just a day, where volunteers collected more than 258,000 pounds of marine debris from shorelines and 300,000 pounds of litter from the seas. Unwanted debris would otherwise continue to, to uh, pollute the water and be out of sight, out of mind for most. 669 events were handled worldwide and were attended by 26,000 people. Uh, they collected 175,018 bottles. 89,945 cigarette filters, 81,878 plastic bags, and the food wrappers totaled 56,653. So that was the top five list. But what they're looking at doing in 2011 is they want to launch the beginning of a new organization, uh, but it's going to be comprehensive marine debris, and it will be a year-long cleanup effort to see how much can be cleaned. Uh, somewhere in here it had... Uh, how much they were figuring was getting dumped in each year. There, according to the report, six million tons of debris entered the world's oceans every year. Oh, I can believe that absolutely. Yeah. Along that same line, uh, I know that Patty has some type of ecology dive aspect they do every year, and I know Bob down at the dive shop uh, doesn't seem to get a lot of PR, but they had an opportunity if you wanted to go, you know, beginning of the year, clean up the beach type. And then they also do have one that's called Clean Up the Beach. It's an ecology beach time. And they also have asked for divers to come along and clean up a little further out, perhaps, than uh, the people on shore can get. I've uh, not participated in that myself, but there is an opportunity for that. And we come in that time of year for that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'd like to do it. The only problem is I don't want to give up a dive <laughs> to go and well, do it. Do a cleanup. That's why we go up to Sheboygan this year and do the river cleanup like you did last year. Yeah. Oh, that would that would be worth it. And every time we go in, I mean, hopefully we clean up if nothing else, at least one golf ball. Well, I think we do our own ecology dives every time we go out there. Yeah. We're, we're filling up that little dumpster out there by the uh, Merrimont Street pretty good. Yeah, we've 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 made our collection of deposits into that dumpster quite and a it's bit. It's nice to do because when somebody says, "Oh, by the way, what did you do with that prop?" You know where yeah. to go back to find it. <laughs> exactly. Maybe what we need to do is we need to come up with some way of just logging that. Maybe there's some uh, credit. Uh, we have Dave in the chat room says, I still have not found a, a golf ball while diving. 
Wow. <laughs> I, I'm I I honestly I think over half the dives I've done we it, one of us has found a golf ball. Yeah, and that's on the racks. Yeah, you can be out in Lake. I it's like they they move. I I think it's just that the current action they just the the bottom in Lake Michigan must be hard enough with that sand pack that it just rolls around until it runs into something, which happens to be a wreck. Now, I don't they, think I, I'm gonna say, I don't think we've ever dove the piers, the uh, St. John North or South, that we have not come back with multiple golf balls. Well, now with that new golf course overlooking Lake Michigan, you're going to have plenty that are going to get added to that that count. I would think so, and I let's say I hope so. <laughs> Yeah, we'll pick up. I don't know, with that new club there, we might be able to get some golf clubs, too. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a, there could be a few that, that find their way into the water. So this next article is a scuba find a mystery. Lifesavers at the uh, Coleslo <laughs> Beach. Sounds like in the U.K. Yeah, I think it is the U.K. Find a complete scuba kit 100 meters offshore recently. Police officer in charge, Senior Sergeant Mike Ragel said equipment was found on March 16. Police have been unable to find the owner. A. Cummings was written on the side of the cylinder. Uh, there was no apparent growth of, on the equipment. However, there has been they expected it's been in the water about six weeks. Uh, they're not sure what happened. It could have fallen off the back of the boat or simply been left behind. Uh, they, they're hoping that nobody had fallen in with the gear and they haven't found them yet. Uh, so if you have any information, we'll have the link in the, the show. So if you're in the UK and you lost your gear, it looks like somebody found it. And from the picture, it you know, looks fairly decent. So, I mean, I'd hate to lose yeah, my gear. Yeah, like it was on for a while. Yeah. Oh, is it, is it Australia? I said. I said oh, yeah, UK. it is. I yeah, yeah it, it is it is Australia. I didn't uh, I, I was I didn't pay attention to the, the domain name. So it's .au. So, yeah, it is in, it is in Australia. we got a few down there. Yeah, I mean everybody in Australia knows everybody down, else down there, so I'm sure they'll they'll know who's lost the gear. And then here's another one uh, from lost gear to finding shipwrecks, a pile of history. Uh, this one was out in Washington. Another one being deposited into the chat room there. Up in Seattle. Up in Seattle, uh, Lake Union. Uh, the Seattle's histories. Uh, they found. A lot of objects in 50 feet of water below the surface of Lake Union. Group of historians, archaeologists, scuba divers are scouring the lake looking for sunken treasures from of old wooden boats. Uh, it's amazing, says a technical diver and underwater cinematographer, Dan Water. Things that are done have such a historic significance. Water is working with more than 50 others in Lake Union Survey, the Marine Documents Society, and the Center for wooden boats and DCS films are working together in the projects. Some of these wrecks have been down there so long, you touch them and they fall apart. Um, sur- surveyors are carefully brushing away dirt and defying to see what lies beneath. So far, he says, uh, the J.E. Boyden may be their most significant find. It used to uh, be a, uh, it used to tow in the big tall ships from the Strait of Juan de Fuca, and it helped out the Maca tribe from time to time, the survey's painstaking process, one by one, scuba divers plan to document everything in the lake. There are so many wrecks down there. There's stacked on wrecks, stacked on more wrecks. I mean, there's a pile of history down there. So far, they've discovered a World War II mine sleeper, an old liveaboard, and other vessels yet to be identified. Was that a mine sleeper? The sleeper. <laughs> Uh, sweeper, a sweeper, sweeper, <laughs> sweeper, sleeper. Well, if you don't do it right, you're going to be sleeping. Uh, so I'm picturing, is this like a bay? You know, like the, the outlet? Sounds like it. Yeah, because they call it Lake Union. So I don't know if Lake Union's a town. But it, it's almost like they just discovered it, and now they're going out there. And mu- the visibility must be pretty good, or at least hopefully it's pretty good. Well, I, I always wonder about the value of what they say they're doing. And, I mean, if it you touch it and it falls apart, uh, yeah. what value is that? Well, it, it, depend, it depends on where this is. If it's in a river, then, you know, it's fair game. And when they said it was wrecks stacked on wrecks, that's what it sounds like. I'm picturing, because uh, you know, there was there's a lot of military vessel construction on the West Coast. So I'm pic- picturing an area that uh, where they had some some of that sort of construction or traffic. Well, it's like they're in the uh, Bay Area. They're up from uh, 
Well, you know the one I'm talking about on the St. Joe River? Mm-hmm. They got the three wrecks on top of each other. The bottom one is just trash. The next one's got some body to it. And the yeah. top part is, is the tug. That's maybe like that. Yeah. But I'm well, not quite there is anything there that would be considered an archaeological treasure trove. Yeah. Well, they've got some pictures. If you click on the picture link, you can see it. Dave uh, pointed that out. And then also uh, Dave pointed that there's uh, a leak to Wikipedia. Uh, and it says the freshwater lake is entirely in the city limits of Seattle. So this is in the Seattle area. So freshwater lakes. I'm wondering what there's a tugboat doing, unless it's uh, – oh, Look on Pawpaw Lake. They had several, several boats out there that took the people around back, you know, over 100 years ago, of course. Yeah. And look at these photos. It reminds me a lot of uh, uh, Lake 16, just as far as the – the clarity of water. It's only during the winter, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, Lake, Lake 16, in the, well, we have had some pretty cruddy visibility in there, but usually up and through June, it's not too bad. Well, you get past the first deck, I think it does get bad. I don't, you can't see anything on the bottom. If you don't have lights, you've maybe oh, got yeah. 10 feet. Yeah, you have to have some good lights, good lights for that. Okay. And then um, that leads up to this next one, which is just around the corner. I've had so many people ask me about this this next one, and this was the MSRA uh, had released some preliminary details about their find off of South Haven, uh, south of Saugatuck. Okay, on that 250-foot wreck? Yeah, 250-foot wreck. Uh, divers recently discovered one of the oldest shipwrecks in the lower Lake Michigan. The 60-foot shipwrecks, a sloop, was found about 200 feet of water, and divers said it's still in pretty good condition. They actually have the video there, so Mm-hmm. Let me go ahead and paste the article in. Uh, the video was actually pretty good. I uh, yes, it was. Looked like the visibility was decent. Yeah. So uh, they believe the shipwreck is about two centuries old and could have been built in the 1820s or 30s. They're still working to identify the ship. Uh, they're not sure if they're going to be able to because wrecks of that age there are no photographs of the wrecks, and there wasn't a lot of detail for this type of wreck. So they're not sure if they're going to be able to find it. Uh, Ralph Win- uh, Wilbanks uh, of the fame of Clive Custler fame and NUMA uh, was the one who's doing a survey that spotted the target. And then some of the MSRA divers went out and dove on it. So it sounds like they found it late in the season and we're able just to get the one shot of video. They're hoping to get more video this year. And if you happen to be in Holland on April 16th uh, at the Holland Knickerbocker Theater, uh, they're going to have a presentation. So I'm I, I'm going to try and make it up to that if unless diving gets in the way. Possibly could. Yeah, it'd be be worth a run up there. I haven't seen him, so you know maybe and then we might get uh, Craig uh, Rich back on or Valerie. See if Valerie wants to come on the show and maybe have her tease or talk about. So maybe before or after the show, we'll have uh, one of them come on. So and I th- I think that there's a lot at this particular depth. There's a lot of wrecks out there that we're just not. We just haven't discovered yet. Well, there's a lot more. It's going to be shallower, but they're going to be rubble wrecks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we do have something in the potentially new uh, cool gear. And I don't know if I pasted this on, onto Mac or not, but Dan Divers Alert Network has just opened their new online store. I haven't had actually a chance yet to pop over there, but there's some articles out talking about it. They launch a new store for scuba divers. So a lot of the items that you get for Dan, course materials uh, and stuff that you can buy if you see Dan at the shows, they're going to have online. So you can go ahead and and take a look at that. And then also, and you should love this, did I I give you, did you see the Richard Branson ship? Oh, yes, I saw that one. (laughs) I figured you would. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was going to say make a joke about Virgin, Virgin Oceanic, but that's actually what he named it. Richard Branson launches Virgin Oceanic to explore the ocean depth. So uh, he, he a couple of years ago had bought a vehicle very similar to this that he had in his private island, but um, it's a he's now he's now uh, he had, he may have already branded his uh, Necker Nymph as the Aero Submarine with a Virgin Atlantic moniker, but he's finally taken the next step. He's just announced a full-fudge venture, the same name, which promises to uh, dive the e- deepest part of the Earth's oceans. 
It will be done with one-man subs pictured above, designed by Graham Hawks, and be piloted by Chris Welsh in the first dive. The Marinara Trench later this year. Can you believe they're taking that to the Marinara Trench? There was they didn't a, really get effects on the depth, did they? Not that I recall. Uh, yeah, but the, the Marinara Trench, I just watched that uh, History Channel show that we had teased where they had the, uh, they were talking about pressure mm-hmm. and just what they were doing to unmanned vehicles. And they had that one, uh, you know, the Trias where that right. had gone down. And, you know, that, that pretty much scared enough people. They said it's just not great for taking people down that deep. But, you know, I guess, I guess it's as, as long as you're challenged, somebody's going to figure out a way to make it. So he's got this vessel that's going to go out there and do it. So if he can do it, that's great. I, I would like to take a ride. Uh, yeah, I'd I give it a shot. Yeah. So, uh, the teaser trailer is showing, oh, that, that they're showing a, a depth of 3,810 meters, but that's the resting place for the Titanic. Or if they're going to do, uh, the Mariana, Mariana Trench, uh, that's going to even be deeper. Yeah. You're going to be way down there. Now I think Beatty is the big one for that. The bell that went yeah. down. That was, that was an interesting one. Okay, the the chip I'm looking at is different than the one I thought it was. Well, they had um, one that looked like a jet that was like a three-seater. Yeah, we looked at that not too long ago, I thought. Yeah, so this is, I bet he's got the same company, but this is a, says a single-seater. So there would have to be somebody other than the, so is it like the pilot and the seat? I, I don't know. This is neat looking, though. Didn't give a price on it, did he? No, it didn't. So maybe it's just a start. I mean, he's... He's always been one of the thrill seekers, so we'll we'll see. But they're they're planning on setting some world records, so maybe this first one they might not even have anybody other than you know his private group doing it. But huh. wow, uh, you were talking about pretty cool gear and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our local area, there's a a new place you might want to visit. It's called the Third Coast Surf Shop, and that's oh. going to be downtown St. Joe, Michigan, and its grand opening is April 30th. So you might want to boogaboo in there and at least register for some of the prizes. Uh, the only item I really like, and if you go to their website, and it is called Third Coast Surf Shop, uh, I, I was looking at their gear. One of the items I was going to have to look at is their gloves and their booties. Hmm. They're using it for you know for the surface type uh, items, but man, they had a couple of seven mil hand you know uh, gloves look pretty interesting, and some high high type. Uh, seven mil booties that might be interesting too well they're saying that surfing is becoming popular on the great lakes which i mean great if it is if it's something that helps keep a, a dive shop running i just don't picture a whole lot of people surfing on the actually great lakes. this is the third third shop they've got they actually teach surfing down there in new buffalo they're going to be teaching here in, in the harbor area and there is a there is a competition for that here but I just, what you see more from our place is you got the stand-up boards, the stand-up paddle boards. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see those a lot more. Uh, and you got the wing boards or the, the guys out there on their boards with the kites. Yeah. You've seen those out there. I've, I've seen those a lot. Oh, well, we oh. used to have a big, I would say in the 80s and 90s, the uh, sailboards were real popular. Yep, yep. And they will also be selling those too. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that makes sense. But I've been out in Lake Michigan I mean, for us, it's great for diving to not have waves. And yeah. uh, we've been out. I, you're not going to get those big rollers like a surfer would want all that often out there. Or at least, I mean, I guess you just wait around for the weather. So. Well, I'm out there when it's semi-ice, and that's when you got some, you know, some really kick-up stuff. But they're going to be doing surfboards, the bodyboards, what they call the stand-up paddle boards, skateboards, prone paddle boards and sandboards and skimboards. So I can see some of those can be applicable to what we've got. Yeah. I can remember as a kid, we used to have, it was a wooden board about 24 inches wide and maybe six feet long, and they weighed a ton. I think they weighed as much as I did when I was 10 or 12. And you used to be able to rent those at, uh, it was up in Saugatuck at a place called Goshorn Lake. And you usually did it once because it was more work than what it was worth to paddle on that thing for what you got out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the other reasons that people like to be able to use the pier to go out and then come back in. So you didn't have to swim against it. You could just go on the pier, jump in at the deep end, and then ride it back on in. Yeah. 
Yeah, you could do that. And that's why they were they were probably the biggest people who got on the bandwagon to uh, stop a lot of the laws they wanted to pass about jumping or swimming off the piers. The surfers got into it really big, and that's how I heard about it last year or the year before. So. Well, cool. And then we have one final article, and this one uh, we'll call our, uh, Scuba the News in Time. Uh, and w- what you do is if you think you know what year this article is from, I'm not going to post a link to it so you can't see it, but uh, you know, post it on our Facebook page and let us know what year you thought the article was from. And uh, we'll, we'll announce the winner uh, in one of the upcoming shows. But uh, the name of the article, Scuba Diver Calls Ocean Happy Hunting Ground. And it was from April 3rd. And it says, the sea is a happy hunting ground for lovers, says Judy Gray May, scuba diver photographer. She met her own husband through diving and recommends the possibility to husband seekers. She says there are about half a million male divers to 30,000 women divers. In addition, a sport provides other thrills, treasure hunting, fish lore, scenic wonders, underwater hobbies, Judy says. Uh, she wrote a book, Scuba Diver's Guide to Underwater Ventures, describing some of them. There are also serious contributions to be made to science, she points out, in marine biology, geology, and even underwater construction. Judy had not gone diving with her husband the day they met on Devil's Lake, Wisconsin. She was diving another partner, so was he, but they surfaced together, and that was the beginning of the romance. If you learn to love scuba, it was the most essential that you marry a diver. It's a consuming hobby. It's also important to have someone who knows the sport. Emergencies in the air low. We do buddy breathing, pass the regulator back and forth. You can always get out of a cave or shipwreck right away when the equipment malfunctions, she explained. So if you think you know what year that article was from, it was a, it's a newspaper article. Uh, just go on to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed, and uh, put your guess in. I'll give you a hint. It's over five years old. <laughs> over five years old. So. Uh, and then she she went on and to talk about some other things. Uh, she said uh, when she first, uh, you know, six years ago, Jody Judy couldn't even swim. She took swimming divings at the Chicago Y and soon became a fish. She had always been afraid of water, but eventually became instructor. And she now works for a public relations firm. That sort of sounds like an article we had in uh, Skydive Magazine uh, not too long ago, which was talking about they have a women's column. And it was basically where to where to meet men at, mm-hmm. and happened to identify scuba was one because if you go to their clubs, they're going to be many many more guys than women, and it's to your advantage. I mean, you got to you know, you're usually very nice to ladies, especially when there's not too many in your club. You give them a hand, you loan them gear. Mm-hmm. And jumping, it's the same thing. It averages about 15% female. So if you're looking at the ratio, if you're female and interested in this kind of stuff, where like where the guys are, you're talking what? One to five or five to one, those are pretty good odds. It's the same thing she was talking about. Go for motorcycles because most of those are guys, so learn to drive. Go for kayaking because that's mostly the guys, the outdoorsies. And it, it, you basically, though, it did have to have a little bit of an athletic bent or like the outdoors because that's where the guys are. It was an interesting article by the females. Yeah, and that, that was kind of the angle that they had in this article which I thought was interesting. She was just saying, hey, it worked for her, so uh, give it a try. So, yeah, if you think you know what uh, year that, that article's from, uh, go ahead and post it on Facebook. Okay, that does it for the news. We had quite a few articles missing last week. We caught up in some of them. Um, and then now's the time of the show we talk about diving. And unfortunately, I have not been able to get any diving in. I'm, I'm deadly afraid my gear's going to dry out. How about you? Have you been able to get in the water? Well, I got over in Pawpaw. I've got one planned again for Saturday. Um, water temperature is getting nicer, meaning you can actually get a full tank with a wetsuit now, cool. which is always plus. Uh, the weeds are still up, but they're not up up yet. They're sort of laying down, mm-hmm. so you can still muck around in the shallows that you normally can't. But that's not gonna that's not gonna be that way long. It's gonna pop up pretty quick. Uh, visibility anywhere from five to ten. And that was on a cloudy day. But the water was wet. Lots of good muck to go through, and I had a good time. Looking forward to doing it more this weekend. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to try and get in sometime this weekend somewhere. I just don't know where yet. Okay. Uh, I know there's uh, – Bob can't 
dive this weekend. He's not. He's on call. Okay, he's got ERO duty then. Yeah, and then uh, what? What? What's the name? Cheese fry? Is that? <laughs> yeah, I don't he, know where he's at. Well, he's uh, actually he's got a boat and he wants That's to go back. out. So uh, he's talking about That's going out. Oh, is he? Okay, I hadn't seen that. I put that blurb on the on the net, but I didn't see anything yet. I yeah. think Jim thinking about getting out this weekend with his new boat, getting some bugs out of it. So Jim uh, S had a boat. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then I went back down to the river and revalidated that. Uh, it's way down. The uh, pier is out. Back to our normal haunts down there in Niles. Mm-hmm. Uh, current's still ripping pretty good, uh, but the levels down and the visibility was from the pier down maybe five feet. Okay. So that's getting back to where we can get back out there again. The fisher guys are out there already. Had a couple of people parked with their boat. So when the fisher people are out there, it must be doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm betting they would be out there. So, but I'm I'm desperate, ready to get in the water. I mean, here we, it, it's probably almost been a month again. I can't believe it. Last year, I probably had seven or eight dives in, in these same four-week periods. Yeah, I bet you did. Uh, we did really good last year. Yeah, well, we had a couple in Papa. We had uh, Havana. Uh, do, we had, do you we realize had, last year at this time, though, I looked at my log. We had one day, a couple of days of 80 degrees. That's why we were getting out there. Yeah. Well, it was cold, but the temperature was nice. Yeah. Well, we had, because uh, I can remember we went, we did that river dive down there in the pier, and there was still ice oh, floating yeah. on shore. But, yeah, the, the air temperature was not at all bad. Yeah. So... Oh, and then Dave in the chat room says he's heading to White Star. I think White Star had their grand opening last weekend. Uh, so did Haig Quarry, and Gilboa's got to be running full steam. So if you're in the Midwest, the quarries are open. And yeah, actually, I heard there was something about the temperature being 40 or the low 40s now. Yeah, he said low 40s. Visibility is good. He said not as good as it was a couple weeks ago, but uh, still was pretty clear. <coughs> got to get there early. Yeah, I uh, – yeah, I – I'm still trying to figure out when I can get over there to White Star. We we've got to make it at least a couple times this year. So like I like I said in the last episode, uh, nobody's allowed to get uh, sick, die, married, divorced, <laughs> injured because we need to get some diving in. So hopefully we make some some out this weekend. Uh, and then also I got the new uh, catalog for side scan sonars, and that was making me drool. Now they must be showing the best photos possible but these photos of the side scan actually look like a photograph of the shipwrecks i try not to watch that kind of stuff because it hurts me too bad yeah well it's getting the point to where to where i'm almost thinking you know we need to do some sort of fundraiser you know is there a grant or or something that we can apply for that somebody would give us money because it's five thousand dollars you can get an amazing side scan sonar and these were full turnkey systems you know, you, you pretty much, the towfish was about 14, 15 inches long. Uh, you just kind of threw it off the back of the boat and everything was all there, GPS, everything. You just, you know, plugged into your computer when you're done and downloaded. You can get some pretty decent gear, especially, you know, when you're talking five to ten grand. And compared to what it used to cost, that's not a bad not a bad deal. No, because this is stuff I think when I talked to them last year, it was uh, nine to ten. And now it's five. So, and I, and I have to say that, you know, the hummingbirds and that have to be impacting them because they're, they're probably losing their lower end market. So they have to differentiate themselves and yeah, they are a little nicer than that, but you know, are they, you know, 10 times the price nicer? Well, you're talking for the casual guy, no, but if you're serious, hardcore and you're out there with a boat and you can afford the gas this year, yeah, then go for it. Yeah. Well, the one thing I was noticing is the difference in the models was the spreads that you're able to get. Uh, the price didn't seem to increase too much more with a higher resolution, but the width of your lanes got to be much narrower. Yeah. To where you were getting to the highest resolution, you only had about 30 meter width. So it's almost like it was the side scan was shining straight down. And they mm-hmm. recommended that for bays and rivers. Yeah. Well, did you look at the magnetometers while you were at it? No, I didn't. I didn't. I. <laughs> yeah, those I those have not been going down in price. Every time I look at one, I'm like, gosh. But that would certainly make it uh, less expensive. I mean, not well, I think, less expensive. I think Fisher's is about the the only uh, magnetometer I've really seen that I would consider affordable. But if you're going to be looking for that UC97, that submarine, I think you'd want to be using that with your side scan. Oh yeah, 
Well, and that's what I, I keep thinking. It's like if you uh, if you are going to do that and you're going to spend the gas, why not do two or three things at the same time? And you got the oh, magnetometer, you got the side scan. Well, then if you get that, then you need a sub-bottom profiler. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I need that winning lottery ticket. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. And also some of these, uh, like this this one group that sends me the catalog, they also rent stuff. So I've been tempted to see, you know, how much is it to rent? Stiff. Is it? Yeah, I've looked at that too. Because you've thought, got to have really good weather the week you buy it or rent it yeah. and use it the whole freaking time. You know, you spend the night on the boat. Well, that's what I was thinking. You get a bunch of guys all to go take vacations kind of at the same time, and you just pretty much plan on doing a, ba- a baseline of gas right on into that boat the whole week you've got it, and you just go 24 hours a day. And like you said, you hope you got some good weather. Yeah, Mother Nature gets on that schedule and screws you up. Oh, yeah. You, you can easily have seven, eight days in a row of, of terrible weather. Only if you plan something really good like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it knows. It, it's going to find it. That's how my luck is. So, what, well, that about does it. Uh, God, I wish we had more diving to talk about, but we'll go ahead and get some of this next week. So, we're, we're in prime season. Uh, everybody drop over to Facebook. Drop over to our website, scubaobsessed.com. Also, the Mud Club. Um, the Mud Club, we, we keep on updating stuff uh, as we get our dives in. You can check those out, mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. And also, leave I, your comments. Yeah, leave comments, put discussion. Let us know you've been there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, you can drop in the forums. Uh, you can get to that from the Scuba Obsessed website, and there's a forum there also for the uh, to talk about things. I had to clean, uh, we had some spammers in there the other day, so I had to clean out a. You know, 150 posts of garbage, but uh, for the most part, there's some discussions going on. We always like to hear talk about that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Max, uh, Don, our uh, mentor, also doubles as the club president. So you've got the membership application. So if anybody wants to go and become a, a member of the Mud Club Divers, you don't necessarily have to live in Michigan. We have uh, members all over. So go ahead and sign up and join. Yeah, be an associate. Yep. And if you can get in the area, we have a great dinner, at least sometime in the summer. Yeah, it's on the schedule, I believe. Yeah. So, and you see, I mean, we do dive. You can go out there and see that that calendar for the last few years. We get quite a few dives in. Well, I think that about does it. We're about to that time where, where we, we have to suffer everybody through the bad scuba joke. Any, any final words? I, I'm just holding my breath. Well, th- th- this one I, I, I kind of picked in honor of my trip to D.C. last week. So here it goes. A tour guide was showing a scuba diver around Washington, D.C. The guide pointed to a place where George Washington supposedly threw a dollar across the Potomac River. That's impossible, said the diver. No one th- could throw a coin that far. Well, you have to remember, answered the guide, a dollar went a lot farther in those days. Okey-dokey. Yeah, so uh, with, with things going on, we'll see how far that dollar goes. Uh, so until next week, go out there and get wet. Absolutely. Be safe. Be safe.